Welcome to episode three of the Amazing Starts Here podcast. My name is Keith Rad. That is Billy Harner. And on today's show, we get a chance to talk to Jacob Resnick. Mets Twitter absolutely loves him. And if you don't know about him, go follow him right now at Jacob underscore Resnick. Uh, Bill, you've you've seen him come and go, those reporters. But uh, Jacob's uh, really good at what he does. And we, we love having him on and his uh, his youth. Um, is certainly something that sets him apart because he he gets a lot done for a, a young guy. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a guy who's been involved in uh, the Mets minor leagues, particularly, uh, basically since he was in grade school. I mean, he was on the uh, the SNY contest where he was the Mets caster, a kid caster. Um, he was on there. And then from there, you know, he realized this is what I want to do. And um, he's still in college and has been covering the Mets minor leagues better than pretty much anyone. Um, he's 20 years younger than me almost, and it makes me feel like I've accomplished nothing in my life because this guy is, is so good at what he does. So um, he's going to have a lot to say to us today, and, and he's very knowledgeable for what we're going to be talking about. And he's definitely a guest that we will have on time and time again. It's our interview with Jacob Resnick coming up. Okay, so full disclosure on Amazing Starts here. We shot this same exact episode about a week ago, but then found out a few hours later that uh, there was a trade involving the Mets uh, minor leagues. So this is take two for everybody else, but uh, excuse me, take one for everybody else, but uh, take two for us. We're joined with Jacob Resnick at Jacob underscore Resnick, who covers the Mets minor league. So we'll try it again. Jake, this top 30 prospect list that that we see gives us a nice overall view of of what the Mets have. And for those out there going into a 2021 year, the fans, what can they expect? What does this list look like to you? How do you digest it? I think if you stop the list at number seven or eight or nine around there, you're looking at one of the top farm systems in baseball. Unfortunately, uh, pretty much every publication ranks a top 30, if not more than that. So, uh, at the top, you're you're looking at studs. You're looking at uh, Francisco Alvarez, Ronnie Mauricio, uh, Matt Allen, three teenagers who uh, are, you know, up there in the top 100 in baseball. And and I think if they had a, a full season in, in 2020, uh, would easily be pushing for uh, top 30, 40 around there. And, and some publications are, uh, you know, analyzing them as such. Obviously, with the uh, alternate site being uh, the the mode of, of development in, in 2020 um, and, and not being very public facing. It, it's kind of tough to tell kind of how guys improved, uh, you know, how guys looked uh, over there. I know you guys were able to catch some guys there, but uh, for the rest of us, uh, it's kind of, you know, we're just going off of, of what we saw two years ago. So, um, you know, after those guys, it's, it's kind of some order of, of Peter Armstrong, Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, three, Really interesting bats that uh, have come out of high school over the past couple of years, and uh, Vientos is the only one who's seen full season ball, uh, and, and he's got Brett Beatty. Uh, actually, Vientos is younger than Brett Beatty, but uh, is, is a step ahead in terms of development, uh, but both really big power hitters at, at the corners, and uh, Kerr Armstrong can not only uh, hit for uh, you know really good contact, but he can uh, pick it in center field as well, plus speed. Um and then after that, it, it's kind of, you know, up in the air, kind of what order you want to put guys in. I mean, uh, you know, you, you can pick what you like about certain guys, but there's also 
uh, some downsides to them as well. Like JT Ginn, who they, they got in the, in the second round last year, you know, great scouting track record was, was a first round pick of the Dodgers a couple of years ago, but he had Tommy John surgery. You don't know how he's going to bounce back from injuries. Someone like junior Santos has, uh, you know, hit upper nineties in the past, but he's only played at Kingsport and, you know, statistically was, was not great. Uh, Alexander Ramirez got a huge signing bonus out of, uh, you know, the Dominican Republic, uh, but he hasn't played in a, uh, in a professional setting other than, uh, you know, instructs in minor league spring training. So some interesting guys, uh, in that middle range. Um, but once you get past the, uh, the top guys and they are, you know, some, some very, uh, you know, I I don't want to throw the word elite around, but they are, uh, among those elite prospects in baseball, uh, once you get past that, it kind of starts to taper off. So, uh, you know, something to look forward to, I guess, in the future is, is how this organization is kind of build that depth at the the back of the 30. Uh, I know the, the reason why we're re-recording this episode of, of the acquisition of Khalil Lee, that's, you know, a, a move that um, just kind of happened. And all of a sudden they have a, uh, a top 10 prospect. And, you know, he's another one of those guys who, has tools, has uh, speed, had, uh, you know, over 50 stolen bases in 2019. Uh, a lot of, you know, other tantalizing tools, but, you know, there's a lot of swing and miss risk in his game. So uh, it's kind of up in the air what his future looks like. But um, like I said, depth is going to be huge going forward. And I know that's something we'll we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, I think overall for the the organization, when you look at the, the top 30 prospects, the, the word that just popped to mind is, is potential. Um, and that's because all these guys are at the lower levels for the most part. Um, when you look at the, the top five, um, they're all 18, 19 years old um, for the most part. Uh, Matt Allen has thrown 10 innings of professional baseball uh, in a regular regular season. I mean, he, he pitched for the Cyclones in the postseason as well. So chuck on another, uh, you know, five innings. But, you know, this guy is one of the top 100 prospects in, in the game, and he hasn't thrown two full games of innings yet. Um, you know, we had Pete Crow Armstrong on, and, I was as impressed with him um, for a teenager, you know, just the, the, the polish that he has um, and just the head on his shoulders. You know, when you're when you're talking to, to uh, a teenager um, who's new to the professional baseball, you know, they're usually a little starstruck and a little um, trying to figure out the, the off the field stuff. And this, this guy just has his has his head on straight and seems like he's been in the big leagues for three years when he when he talked to him. So um, he's been impressive. But, you know, the the potential of the, the system I think is great. And I think that's why they're, you know, a lot of people have them. Keith Law had them at 19th overall um, because there is a lot of potential, particularly at the, at the top and the, the bottom, I guess, because there's a lot of guys in the Dominican league and the GCL that, um, you know, you just don't know because they, you didn't see them. You haven't seen them in a year. So um, that's interesting. But I also think that's the reason why they needed to make that move for Khalil Lee um, and get someone who's not in single a and is, um, uh, a prospect and could potentially make an impact on the major league level. Um, you've had guys like David Peterson, who was a little ahead of schedule last year um, in the COVID year where he was on the big league roster and had success when you probably didn't going into last year in February, uh, you probably didn't think he was going to sniff the big leagues um, or stick in the big leagues. Probably uh, you, he needed another year of seasoning. Probably if you're, if you're being honest about it um, and he got to the big leagues and then was successful and Jimenez was used to bring in Francisco Lindor. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with Ronnie Mauricio, um, what he's going to be 
doing in terms of, you know, where is he going to play? I mean, if you're going to have Francisco Lindor here for the next 10 years, um, are you going to keep him at shortstop? Are you going to try him out someplace else? Um, so that's all interesting to me. The guy that, you know, in the top five that I'm just most excited about is, is Matt Allen, honestly. Um, you know, we saw him in Brooklyn um, in that uh, the, the championship game in game three of the, the series with Lowell. You know, Lowell was a very advanced team. They had a lot of guys that were big prospects for the Red Sox. They had a lot of older guys. And Matt Allen, coming into that point, had thrown 10 innings of, of baseball, and he was dominant. Um, he was swing and miss everywhere. He threw 20-something pitches to get through three innings. I mean, it was um, no-hit stuff that he had. So I'm excited to see him sort of get the the handcuffs off here now that he's a, a year-plus removed from his draft and going to be in a full-season team someplace. And eventually we'll be out there throwing five and six and seven innings like you expect from a starter. So I'm looking forward to see what he does. And I'm, it's going to be interesting to see where these guys start. Um, you know, do you use last year as uh, a development year and move them up? You know, so a guy like Beatty, he probably would have been in Savannah last year or uh, goodness gracious, that's dating myself, probably would have been in Columbia uh, last year and then gone at some point to, to St. Lucie. So are you going to start him at high A Brooklyn this year, or are you going to use last year like he was you know, developed and maybe he goes to Binghamton, or how is that going to play out? So all these sort of question marks in terms of the development of these guys and where they're going to be is going to be interesting to see here in the next month or so as um, minor league camp starts to open up down in Florida. I know we joked about it last time. I asked Jacob in the the episode that no one will ever hear because of the trade. Um, but have you even dabbled in making depth charts? And then later that night around 1130, I dabbled in all four depth charts. And uh, Billy's absolutely right when you you look at, hey, if you were to follow that progression, of course, the AAA guys in 2019, most of them are gone. Double A, most of them are gone. If they are there, they'll move to AAA. But everybody is going to be potentially, and not just because I'm the Brooklyn guy, on Brooklyn if you were to follow that that mentality. So when you bring in a guy like Lee at, at Binghamton and when you have the now AAA depth that we're starting to see, the entire uh, meaning of the minor leagues is to make the Mets better. So they're trying to, to round out a little bit of that depth at the higher levels. So I guess the long and short of it is, Billy, for you, what have you seen as far as them trying to, to round out AAA and AA? And then Jacob, I'll ask you, to follow up on that, you know, how does that make the Mets look better on that landscape when the season does happen and they can go out and make a move? They have the talent to do so. Yeah, for, for me, one of the, the more interesting things that was done early on in the offseason was signing a bunch of big league experienced guys to minor league deals, um, you know, like the Malik Smith of the world and then those guys who are going to be starting uh, probably in Syracuse. Um, and there was, you know, the one day they, they rattled off six or seven guys that they signed all with that same sort of mentality of guys who are going to be your depth in AAA, almost like a few years ago when they had uh, Rajay Davis uh, sort of waiting in the wings playing in, in Syracuse and some other guys that had big league time. Um, so, you know, they, they've talked all offseason about the importance of depth. Um, and we sort of saw last year during the shortened season, there was obviously a lot of weird things that happened in terms of, you know, the protocols and, and whatnot. But um, they had guys who were making starts that uh, you just knew going into it, um, it wasn't going to go well. I mean, they're, they're guys that were pushed way ahead of, of their, 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 start, uh, their start date, I guess, of what should be their big league 
uh, debut. I mean, it worked out for David Peterson, but, you know, you had guys like Killamay, who was probably a little bit earlier coming off of Tommy John surgery. And, um, you know, guys, they, uh, the, the guy they picked up on, on waivers from, from the Rangers and threw him out there. And, um, uh, you know, Corey Oswald made a bunch of different starts and was just sort of an innings eater because he wasn't having a ton of success on the mound, but, you know, they needed him to, to get through the game. You know, now they have guys, they traded for Yamamoto. Uh, they have Reed Foley. They have, uh, Joey Lucchese they got from the Padres. These are guys who could be in the big league rotation and big league bullpen, but they could also be your AAA depth. And, you know, in, in an instance when, uh, you're going to need to bring up somebody from AAA, you're actually going to have guys who get out on, on the, on the big league mound, um, as options. Um, and I, I think that's also part of the, the depth of the system being on the lower levels. And um, for a few years, the double A AA and triple A teams haven't really been prospect heavy. So you're going to see a lot of these uh, guys with big league experience that sign on minor league deals that are filling out the rosters, I think in, in Syracuse, potentially even in Binghamton, um, which leads to, you know, down the road, what's going to happen with, uh, you know, where you're going to fill in these spots because you're going to have some prospects that are potentially down the road, you know, clearly is one of them. You know, is he going to be a double A guy? Is he going to be a triple A guy? Um, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. But you know, the the depth on the on the double A and triple A isn't necessarily prospects, but it's guys who I think when you come down to it, you know, you can bring them up and they'll be productive and and be able to get a hit and you know get an out if you, if you need them and. and pitch the depth and give you some, some innings um, if they have to come up and make a, a spot start here or there. Yeah. I think it, well, it was funny what you said about, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, the, the Rajay Davis type players being the, the minor league depth brought in. I was also thinking about like Gregor Blanco and Irvin Santana were among those guys. But the thing is those guys after that season, I don't think got, uh, you know, we're, we're, I don't, I don't think those guys were picked up by other major league organizations. Now you have guys a little younger, like the Malik Smith, the Arodis Viscaino, Oscar De La Cruz, um, those kind of guys who are, are still uh, kind of in the, the prime years of, of their baseball career uh, to, to potentially help you out. But, um, you know, overall, there are so many different avenues of acquiring players. And I feel like in the past, the Mets have not taken full advantage of those uh, avenues. And you look at, for example, the minor league phase of the Rule 5 draft is a thing that exists, and there are no restrictions as in the major league phase of the Rule 5 draft. I'm pretty sure they made five picks this year uh, in that minor league phase. And once you take a guy, he's he's yours. You don't have to keep him on uh, like your AAA roster like you do for the, the major league phase. Um, and they took some interesting guys, including one, uh, Drew Ferguson, who's now invited to big league camp. Uh, so they view him as upper minors outfield depth who could legitimately help them. And they got him. I think the, the selection fee is, you know, $20,000, uh, which is, you know, pocket change in in baseball land. Um, but, and, you know, other moves like Jordan Yamamoto was uh, DFA'd in a roster crunch by the Marlins. He's a guy who, uh, was a pretty solid prospect a couple of years ago and has flashed some interesting potential. And he was probably put on waivers or was about to be put on waivers. And the Mets are uh, in that kind of twelve to 10 to 12 range of the, the waiver order claim. But they said, you know what, we'll give you a, a prospect who's, you know, only played in the GCL and in Federico Polanco. And they were able to, to jump over all of those teams on, on the waiver claim uh, priority and, and get him in a trade. 
Um, and that's an easy way to add optionable starting pitching depth to your to your organization. Uh, you look at the the Joey Lucchese trade. Um, you know they kind of just popped into that three team deal. It was like oh, uh, pretty sure it was the Joe Musgrove deal where he was going to uh, to the Padres, and um, all of a sudden, okay, the Mets are are involved in that, and now they have a, a guy who can, they they can shuttle up and down uh, to to start games for them. Um, who's a little more interesting, like you you mentioned, than the guys they've been running out in the past. So, um, you know, they have the opportunity now to to take advantage of all these avenues of of uh, bringing guys into the organization, whether it's minor league free agency or uh, you know small trades like the Yamamoto uh, one, or or popping into a, a three team deal like the the Khalil Lee and Joey Lucchese acquisitions. So, um, definitely looking forward to seeing how they continue to to build uh, the depth and, you know, I guess the hope is within the next year or so we're, we're talking about, Oh, they're, they're super deep in the upper minors because the guys who had been in the low minors are uh, progressing nicely and, and moving up the ladder. I would be remiss if I didn't say it was uh, former Frisco rough rider in 2017 when I was there, Ariel Hurado, who was that uh, unnamed Texas Rangers minor leaguer that ended up <laughs> start, starting in a game for the, I, I tried to get him too. Uh, <laughs> that's just the year 2020 was, which is so odd. And another thing I want to ask you guys about is because Billy and I got to see a little bit of the alternate site in 2020 and the Mets could only give a handful of prospects some time to work out. Brett Beatty or Francisco Alvarez, Mark Vientos, uh, Joneshi Fargus hit a couple of balls off the cyclone that I saw that were just like, this guy should be playing in a game <laughs> somewhere. Um, that leads me to this year. Like, what do we expect from the rest of the guys who didn't play at the alternate site who are just sitting around doing nothing. I mean, we look at the depth of these uh, four potential levels that everybody could play at. And I only write maybe four, four starting pitchers in one spot or in another, but you can't throw these guys out for seven, eight innings in, in, you know, April, May, June. It it could be, it could be disastrous. (laughs) What do you do? Yeah, I think the, I guess the hope is uh, that they are able to get a normal spring training in where they can, uh, or especially the, the starting pitchers can ramp up as they normally would. It'll just be in, in April instead of uh, March as, as it has been in the past. Um, you know, with it seeming like the, the minor league season for the non triple a levels is, is going to get pushed back. Um, but you know, it's, it's going to be, I'm, I'm assuming just the guys that, didn't rest over that time off and the guys who looked at it as an, an opportunity to, to uh, work out more, to try to gain a couple ticks of velocity, um, you know, who was in the gym every day when, when they could be. And I'm sure it was tough to, for a lot of guys to find a, a space to, to take BP or, or, or throw to hitters or uh, face, face pitchers. Um, but yeah, I, 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 and expecting a, a wide range of, of outcomes in terms of, you know, guys coming back. I, I do think a lot of it is just not public in terms of, you know, the, the coordinators keeping tabs on, on their, their players. And, uh, you know, I know they were having them send, uh, certain reports every once in a while, but, um, you know, it certainly was tough with the, the alternate site being capped at, at 60 guys, uh, the Mets, at least coming into last season being uh, or attempting to be a, a contender. Um, they just went all in on, 
on guys who could potentially help them uh, that season and, and left off uh, not only their top prospects, but uh, for, for the beginning part, but uh, those extra depth guys. But now, you know, now it's kind of interesting to see the, the list of internal spring training invites to, to big league camp guys like uh, Marcel Renneria, uh, Tyler McGill, uh, Nick Meyer, you know, guys who uh, you haven't heard from in, in, in a little bit, but uh, I guess the organization likes what they've seen from them and uh, hopes that they'll be depth contributors at the upper levels when, when the minors season gets going. Yeah. I think particularly it'll be interesting with pitchers because, you know, you try not to move their innings up, you know, too incrementally, um, you know, each season. So you don't, you, have to, you don't want to have them throw, zero innings last year and then have them go out and throw 160 this year. Um, so I, I think that'll be interesting to see how they sort of uh, massage the particular starting pitchers um, and get them through a season. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of, you know, three inning starts in the beginning, four inning, five, and then I guess the June and July, um, maybe take the reins off a bit. But again, then I think in September, you'll probably see him sort of lay off the gas a bit because, Again, these guys haven't thrown a full season in a, over a year. And change. Some of these guys haven't thrown a full season ever since high school for, for some of them. So um, I think that'll be interesting. Um, I'm also interested to see a guy like Thomas Sapucky, who, um, you know, a few years ago was like the prettiest girl of the dance. Like everybody loved him. And um, he struck everybody out when he was in Kingsport and came to Brooklyn and did the same thing. And, um, you know, then he has surgery and you don't hear from him but you know he was one of the the guys that they were the the had the highest ceiling at, at one point where they were in love with this guy he's a lefty youth threw hard and struck people out and there's not a ton of them so um i'm interested interested to see where he starts off what progression he's made since uh the last time he was on the field which you know at this point is going to be close to two years ago um so that's another guy i think will be uh sort of forgotten when you're looking at the top prospect list, but a guy who definitely has some potential to uh, reestablish himself this year, I think. Yeah, so we had heard from Billy. You said Matt Allen was the guy that you were most excited to see. So from the the, the familiar faces, Jacob, uh, do you have anybody you know from this top 30 list that could be anybody? Who are you most pumped uh, or excited to see how they do in 2021? Yeah, I mean – I, I guess Allen would be my pick too, uh, but I guess to, to give another, no, 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 of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, for, you know, Francisco Alvarez, uh, just because, you know, I don't want to say hidden, but uh, when you, you play an entire season between GCL and, and Kingsport, and obviously there's no MILB TV or, or reporters at those games for the most part, if, if at all, um, you know, you don't really hear much about the or see much rather about those guys other than you know the box score and and if a scout happens to uh, a public scout happens to to go down there. So um, definitely looking forward to to seeing Alvarez get in uh, in front of some cameras, uh, see kind of how he's matured because he's he's a kid. He's he's super young and and obviously his, his body is. Uh, changing and and his mechanics as a both a catcher and a, a hitter are, are constantly evolving and uh, you know it, 
always have to keep in mind that that teenage catchers are probably the most uh, volatile uh, you know, group of, of players. You know, I, I remember one of the first minor league players that was super hyped when uh, I was starting to get into this stuff was uh, Gary Sanchez with the Yankees. Uh, and it felt like he was in the minors forever um, because he was just super hyped at a young age and uh, took him a while to just kind of get accustomed to, to the different levels he was he was getting promoted to and and uh, you know now it feels like uh, he's been in the, the majors forever and he's still not even uh, eligible for free agency so he's just been around a long time and that's just kind of a, a model that uh, I try to keep in mind when, when looking at uh, young catchers that his career could go in one of many different directions but uh, I'll definitely be watching closely uh, for his progression this season. Yeah, I think Alvarez, um, I mean, I've, I've only seen him in the alternate site. And then I saw some clips of him today uh, for the first day of pitchers and catchers. And he, he's a he's a grown man. Like, he is. He's a big dude. It looked, you know, you, you're talking about, I wonder what these guys were doing on a year when they weren't playing games. That's a dude that was working out all the time just by looking at him. You can you can see that he's uh, he's just built different. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see him. Um, I'm selfishly excited to hopefully see him for 120 games maybe in a cycle of uniform. <laughs> Um, but you know, that's, that's a guy that I think, you know, when you're at the level that he is where he hasn't played in a full season and he's considered to be the top catching prospect in the, in the game. I mean, that's, uh, speaking volumes of the potential that they see in this guy. So I'm excited to to see what he has to offer as well. Uh, in 2017, I saw Carlos Gomez on a rehab in the locker room, like up close and personal. And the one thing, and I'm going to say it, that stuck out to me, I said, this man has a large lower half, like strong, like like strong, in a way, like just like different, just different. And I didn't see that until I saw Alvarez at the alternate site last year. And I just went, wow, he has the same trunk, I guess you'd say, as far as strength and it's going to sound odd but these guys have to be powerful in certain ways and i think alvarez has the build uh to look like the player and i we saw him pump some balls in the gap and uh at mcu park during uh during the alternate site that he has that that strong lower half so aside from that uh awkward strong lower half deal what i'm looking forward to is the uh the friendly competition and i don't want to start anything by saying this but brett Beatty. And Mark Vientos at the third base position. They're both 21. They're both born about a month uh, from each other. Mark's been in the system a little bit more. Brett was a little older when he got drafted. And seeing those guys, what what level do they play at? Do they enjoy that that competition where they could you know play off each other and try to make a name for themselves? Because uh, as they work their way up, usually you see at the top of a of a top 30 list. Hey, we have a triple A, uh, you know, ready or double A ready third baseman and a young guy at that same position that would kind of follow suit. But you have two guys who are the same age duking it out for the same spot. I mean, Jacob, in your you know your recent memory, do you have you seen anything like that where the positions are so they're dead even and the guys are so young? I mean, how, and how those things play out? Well, I guess in in recent years, there's been or or there had been the uh, discussion of. Uh, Andres Jimenez and, and Ronnie Mauricio kind of coming up at the same time, and but they were never really at the same development level. Obviously, Jimenez played a full season in the majors before he got traded uh, this past year, uh, and Mauricio uh, had only played low A ball. Um, so two guys like that at the 
pretty much the exact same development level um, is, is unique as, as far as uh, what I can recall. Um, and it's going to be interesting. I think those are uh, two guys who uh, maybe defense is not their carrying tool, uh, or it definitely is not their carrying tool. They're, they're mashers at the plate. Um, they're, they're bad as what's going to get them to the majors. So, um, you know, if you want to throw one at first base, try one in left field. Uh, you do have the DH in the minor leagues uh, to, to experiment and make sure you're getting both in, in the lineup if, if they do end up at the same level. But, uh, you know, competition is always a good thing. Uh, and I think both of those guys are uh, the type to use that as something to uh, elevate their their own individual games while, uh, you know, still being super good teammates. Yeah, and the, the competition, I think we saw that last year in the alternate training site where they were both there. Um, they're both at third base working out together. They're both playing in inter-squad games, seeing what the other one's doing. Um, and I, I think, I mean, it's if you're an athlete, you're competitive. I mean, that's that's part of what it is. So I think that was probably a, a great opportunity for both of them to um, assist in their development, to be around each other and see, you know, this is the guy who I'm, you know, on a direct crash course with to potentially be the, the Mets starting third baseman. Um, so this is the bar that I have to, to, to live up to and having them be around each other and work out together. And, uh, I think that'll be an interesting, uh, competition throughout the, throughout the year as well. And, you know, we're talking about what Moneyball made famous with, you know, bad body guys like Kevin Euclid, uh, you know, Beatty and Alvarez are the the opposite. I mean, those are just guys who last year, the other in training site, we couldn't get too close. We had to be, you know, pretty distant. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of times I was at our ballpark watching from the press box or the, 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 the rooftop. And from that, you know, 100 yard distance, you could pick these guys out, you know, these the, who the prospects are, you know, who these guys that are the young guys that they're excited about. Vientos is one of them, Alvarez, uh, Beatty, obviously. So it'll be Interesting. I'm, 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 I'm pumped to, to just have this conversation. You know, like there's we've, people have been talking about prospects for a year and a half and nobody's done anything. You know, this Jason Dominguez with the Yankees, he's the best thing since sliced bread. He hasn't faced a pitcher. Like it's, it's just great to have, you know, a schedule here coming and, and a start date coming and uh, just to ha- be able to not talk about our theories on stuff to talk about what these guys are going to do on the field. So that's a, it's about a month and a half away and it's not, gonna, <laughs> not going to be, can't come soon enough. And I hate to do the, you know, the two for five couple of strikeout breakdown, but my goodness, I'm dying to do a two for five with two strikeout breakdown of a guy just to get some action in front of us. Uh, he is Jacob Resnick. You can follow him on Twitter at Jacob underscore Resnick. He covers the Mets minor league. Certainly better than any of us could. Uh, we just show up and watch the games. Jacob writes about it. Uh, we will see you uh, in the future, my friend. And uh, hopefully as schedules come out and, and rosters come out, we'll have you back to break down. Uh, break down the uh, the assignment. So good to see you, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much.